This is the Lunduke Journal podcast for Sunday, August 14th in the year of our Lord 2022. We're talking today, as we do every Sunday, about Linux and alternative operating system and retro computing news. The good news, the only news that really is worth actually learning about. Most news. Most news makes you sad. As a general rule of thumb, I'm pretty sure it's the definition of news is it makes you sad. There's something, someone yells at someone else. Someone called someone else a name on Twitter. News at 11. Horrible, something horrible happened and everyone is sad. News at 11. Not this news. This is the good news. I I scour through the inner tubes and I find not just news that's not going to make you sad, but news that's not stupid and boring. <laughs> TM. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Most most of the tech news, like even the great tech news sites, and there are some quality technology news sites out there. Half at least of the news on them is is this big tech company uh, developed a or is announcing a new enterprise software as a service platform for B2B blah blah blah. That's most of it. No, 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 no. That's not how you do it. So we're just doing the fun stuff here and we're kicking it off today by talking about haiku. Oh, Lord in heaven, Haiku is just so, so fantastic. The Haiku operating system, which is, you know, the open source re-implementation of the B operating system, which actually when they started it out, I uh, believe it was, it was it called Open BIOS or Free BIOS? I think it was Open BIOS. They were just kind of replacing individual components of BOS. And they took BOS R5 and just started replacing components of them, of it with individual completely engineered from scratch open source implementations of it so each individual little kit and and whatnot and and eventually it got to the point where they now have a really really functional system that is open source top to bottom and it's just truly amazing and they've got a developer that's been working full time on the project for quite a while now meaning meaning as his job, which is amazing. I, I know, I know, you know, there's, there's a million and one people that are paid to hack on Linux and open BSD and free BSD and, and windows and Mac and all that good stuff. But you know, for these alternative systems, that's a big deal when it can be, you know, self-sustaining like that. And anyway, so every month, the developer who goes by the handle of Waddle Splash. It's a great, he's a really nice guy. Um, he's he's been on my show a couple of times over the years. Uh, he's just truly fantastic. Anyway, uh, Waddle Splash. <laughs> um, he he he. Every month he talks about all the cool things that he's been working on and that the rest of the community is working on. And this month brought some really cool things. Uh, uh, Genie Genie. G E A N N Y or G E E 
E-A-N-Y, uh, is a GTK IDE over on the Linux side. It's been ported to Haiku. Super cool. Uh, the, the ARM port of Haiku has seen some pretty significant improvements, meaning running Haiku on ARM devices, which is, which is super neat. Uh, G, new GPU drivers for Radeon chipsets uh, has moved forward. The OpenBSD Wi-Fi drivers are now working properly, uh, which have joined the FreeBSD Wi-Fi drivers. Wi-Fi support within Haiku still remains a weak point, but it's getting better. And and seeing it improve just warms my heart because that means there's that many more different laptops that are going to be available that you can run Haiku on on bare native bare metal hardware, which is a fantastic thing. Um, the fish shell is now available and working. <clears throat> and here's something I thought that was kind of cool. This kind of dovetails into the Serenity landscape. So you know how the Serenity OS, right? Another another really great alternative system that's out there right now. Uh, they built their own from scratch web browser engine. Super super cool. Then they went and just to just to showcase. <laughs> how cool it is and how easy it is to port it to other platforms. They ported that engine to Linux and built a real simple web browser around it uh, that they called Ladybird. Well, now Ladybird has been ported to Haiku. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, I mean, it's it's not a perfect web browser. It, it's got a ways to go before, uh, you know, you'll be able to use it for a whole heck of a lot. But how cool is that? And the answer is very cool. Uh, extremely, extremely cool. That's that's the answer to that one. Um, all right. Uh, so anyway, Haiku looking great. If you haven't tried Haiku recently, I recommend it. Uh, at the very, so I'm running Haiku fairly regularly nowadays. It is a quality system. It's not perfect. It's got some rough spots here and there, but man, what a good system. All right, moving on. Let's talk about ScumVM, which I know is not an operating system or, or any of that sort of thing, but it allows you to play so many retro games. I mean, just an absolute, just mind-numbing amount of retro games. And what's cool about ScumVM is it's not an emulator. You're not emulating any of these old systems. It's all based initially on creating a re-implementation of the of the scum the script utility for maniac mansion system that was allowed the LucasArts games to get ported around a lot of those old games what they would do is they would build a, a game engine that had you know an, an a language interpreter and and a graphic interpreter and everything else and they would just port that engine from system to system uh, sierra online did this agi and sci as they called it the sierra creative interpreter um, uh, script utility for Maniac Mansion, and there's just there's been a ton of other sis, uh, game systems that have been developed by these big companies that way, especially the adventure games. It just made a lot of sense. So Scum VM started as just a way to play those script utilities for Maniac Mansion games, uh, you know, like Maniac Mansion, Day of the Tentacle, uh, uh, Secret of Monkey Island, all that sort of thing. And over the years, they've added, in each subsequent release, more game engines. 
right? So they added in all of the, the Sierra engines so you could play King's Quest and Space Quest and Leisure Suit Larry and all these other things. But as it expanded from there because it's not just adventure games. You can play these different card games, some of the Hoyle card games from Sierra, and just a ton, a ton of games. It, just so many. Anyway, version 2.6 just came out uh, and it includes support for nine additional games include one of them was the 11th hour which is the sequel to seventh guest which if you've never played seventh guest it's it's kind of a it is a classic in the puzzle horror adventure first person-y genre it is just truly fantastic it's like playing mist but a horror game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> You're like trapped in a mansion and all that sort of thing. Anyway, 11th Hour was the sequel, and now it's supported on Scum VM plus like eight other games. It's great. It, it allows you, because it gets ported to so many platforms, whether it's, you know, Linux or Haiku or all these other platforms, it makes playing a huge number of games. I don't want to say hundreds of games because I've never actually counted the number of games that ScumVM, you know, actually supports, but it's a lot, and they're um, some of the best games ever made, and it's just, it's truly glorious. Um, anyway, so that that came out, brand new version, and in related ScumVM news, you guys are going to want to go to lunduke.substack.com and, and read the article for this one. I link to a tweet that has a video clip in it that you need to see because it's so cool looking. This is all prototype right now. This isn't in the 2.6 release of Scum VM. It's just, it's just a prototype. But the prototype is taking The Secret of Monkey Island, the first one, you know, there's 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 that classic bar, the scum bar that you can go into in Monkey Island really early on in the game. You can walk around and there's pirates and everything and classic, classic scene. It is it has a voxel projected 3D mapping system of it now so you can walk around in the game and it's in this pseudo 3D voxel landscape and it looks so freaking cool. I, I don't generally like changing the look of these classic games, right? Like I, I love the the three twenty by two hundred, two hundred fifty six color VGA ness of it all. Like I like the games as they originally came out. I don't like to change how they look, but in this case, because it's just it's just this nerdy experiment. I love it. <laughs> it's worth checking out. It, you can all, all the video is is just uh, Guybrush Threepwood, the the main protagonist of Monkey Island, walking around back and forth inside this bar, and it it looks so incredibly cool because it's it is three D and it's anyway. You have to check it out. It's really really neat. It's it's really neat. Uh, I would love to play a whole game with that look to it. Not to take the place of the way it originally was supposed to look, but just because it looks so neat. It taking that old tech and do something really funky and new with it. I, I, I love it. I love it so much. It's sort of like it's sort of like someone someone took uh like the Sierra Creative Interpreter games 
which were interesting because it was all vector art, right? It wasn't like like the early like King's Quest game, right? The first King's Quest, the artwork for the scenery was not a big bitmap. It was drawn with simple graphics primitives. Like you draw triangles and lines and and fill in areas with a single color and whatnot. And by doing it that way, they can condense the total amount of storage space required for these big, beautiful-looking backgrounds into a very small amount of space, right? Well, someone then took it because that, that's simple data. It's simple text and numerical data. They took that and made it so that it would render it at a much, much higher resolution. I've got, a, I've got an article on it, uh, again, up on lunduk.substack.com, which I recommend you go, go check that out. Um, but it, it's so beautiful because it, it renders it all really high resolution. So it doesn't look great in every scene, in every game from, from that era. But for some of them, it, it kind of does. It kind of looks cool. Again, I wouldn't want to go back and play the games that way. Because I love the pixelated 320 by 200, etc. resolution of it all. Like, I love the pixelatedness of it. But being able to render it out at this big HD resolution where you don't have the jagged edges and whatnot anymore, it's kind of neat looking. <laughs> like, it's just kind of cool. It's cool that someone that someone did that, you know? Anyway, um, oh, in, in other really old games with weird, in weird places news, a developer. <laughs> All great stories start that way. So a board developer <laughs> is, is recreating Myst on an Atari 2600. <laughs> Uh, this is not a joke. Again, you've got to you've got to go go check out the article so you can see the pictures. There's even a uh, a video that really just shows a bunch of the scenes in 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 development. Um, the, he, here's what he says. Here's what he says. There was enough interest that I've expanded Atari 2600 Mist uh, to an E7 bank switched cartridge with 16K ROM and 2K RAM using ZX02 compression, hoping I can fit the speedrun route. Yeah, so he's trying to make it. <laughs> so, you know, in all the games, there's a speedrun route to get through it as fast as you can, and Mist is no different. Man, uh, by the way, there are people that can complete mist in like a minute. It's insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, I, I've watched a few of them and just like it blew my mind. Um, but he's taking it and he's he's rendering and drawing it all himself and whatnot. The just the the core parts of mist, just the the necessary rooms and necessary areas to go through a full speed run and mist in an Atari twenty six hundred. So it's like it's the most it's the blockiest thing in the world, which is funny to me because Mist was so Mist was originally developed on a Mac using HyperCard. That's how it was built, right? And the whole thing was that it was built with these beautiful, lavish, you know, 3D rendered landscapes and backgrounds, and it just had beautiful graphics. That was kind of its claim to fame, was these beautiful high resolution for the time graphics. And it just looked, it looked gorgeous. And now it's being rendered uh, using the Atari 2600. So it, it is as blocky as you can get. And I, <laughs> I love that about it. Like that, that to me is, I don't know what the right word is to describe it, but it's cool. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, it's worth checking out. Um, and oh, and one last thing, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit on the Linux side of things. There is so everyone knows NeoFetch, right? Everyone has to install NeoFetch on a new machine because you run NeoFetch and you can take a screenshot. It shows you the little ASCII art of the logo for your for your particular Linux distro and shows you your machine specs and all that sort of thing. NeoFetch. It's, it's it's critical. <laughs> well, what's the point of even buying like a, a Valve Steam Deck if you aren't going to run NeoFetch on it and take a picture, right? That's <laughs> just, just how it is. Anyway, uh, so there's a project that that is collecting together just a huge amount of the configurations and themes essentially for NeoFetch into one little GitHub repository. And I, I link to it uh, for customizing the look of NeoFetch. And a lot of people I don't think realize how much you can customize NeoFetch. I mean, not just, you know, the 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 simple ASCII art logos of your your given Linux distribution. Sure, that that can be, you know, modified and all that. But the but the way all of your system data is displayed, that part of it is is themable and customizable and tweakable uh, to a relatively extreme degree. And some of those little themes and configs are really cool looking. I I highly recommend checking it out because it just some of them look so much cooler than the default NeoFetch. <laughs> you gotta check it out. It's it's worth it. I mean, if you're gonna do NeoFetch anyway, you should probably, you know. Figure out what your what your favorite configs are for it, and and that little uh, uh, that little theme set over on GitHub has about all of them. So anyway, check that out. So okay, so today's Sunday, which means we talk about all these news items, right? The happy news, the good news of the week. Come Monday, and this happens the same schedule every week. Monday is computer history. Uh, that, that comes out tomorrow, another computer history article. Tuesday is computer and Linux satire, uh, which is one of my favorite days of the week because I get to not take myself seriously at all. Wednesday is podcast day. Uh, last week, we didn't have a podcast. Usually, this is when we do the exclusive podcast just for the subscribers of the Lunduke Journal, whether it be over on Substack or Locals. This last week, I was sick, so we didn't do a uh, a new podcast. We did an old video, an old exclusive video. Uh, but this this coming Wednesday, assuming, hey, knock on wood, salt over the shoulder and all that, I'm not feeling sick. That means it'll be regular podcast schedule. Then Thursday, we do computer history again because computer history is important. We gotta keep. We gotta remember history. Yeah, if we, those who do not remember computer history are doomed to computer repeat it. <laughs> And then Friday is a wild card day. Who knows what's going to happen? It's Friday. Uh, last Friday, we talked about making Linux look like an L-Cars Star Trek computer. Uh, what will happen this coming Friday? Who knows? It's a mystery. And then the weekend again. Once the weekend hits, Saturday, it's the article form of all the news, the Linux alternative OS and retro computer news. And Sunday, we do the podcast every week. Boom! Like clockwork, baby. Uh, once again, I want to say thank you to all of the subscribers out there that make this possible. The regular subscribers on Substack, on Locals, the founding member and lifetime subscribers. Mwah! You are all glorious. I love each and every one of you. You make this all possible. 
No advertising from any big tech company. No big tech company can tell me what to say. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you to all of you. I, I Truly, I couldn't do it without you. All right, everyone. Hope you get to do something really nerdy this week. Hope someone gave you a high five for doing it. Hope you got to put free BSD on a baked potato or something random like that. And I will talk to you all a little bit later.